Welcome to episode 54 of the WooCast. I'm your host, Juliette, and we are here to talk about all things weird and woo-woo. Today, I have Daniel Kudish on. He is a husband and father to two children. He was a destination wedding photographer from 2007 to 2018, winning many, many awards, getting published, and he's spoken at numerous conferences and workshops. In 2014, Daniel co-founded Image Salon, a photo and post-production studio that now employs over 70 editors and works with photographers and brands all over the world. This past June, Daniel stepped down as CEO so he could keep focusing on his personal growth journey, which you're going to talk all about today. He and his wife sold their house in Canada this last summer to move to beautiful Costa Rica. And he also just launched the Journey podcast, which I'm very excited about for you. So Daniel, welcome to the WooCast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so funny. We just spoke on my podcast now and just flipped the table. And I know. I'm now on the other side. You're, on, you're in the hot seat now. <laughs> Which I think we both agree that we both like to be on the interviewed side. It I, is pretty fun. I do like to be the interviewer and get to know the guests for sure. So you guys just moved to Costa Rica. And let's just start there because I'm very jealous. I have fantasies <laughs> about my husband and I doing something like that. How did that come about? Like, how did you decide to leave your home in Canada and move to another country like that? Yeah, it was it, it wasn't like premeditated. Um, we decided to go for ayahuasca here in Costa Rica last November in uh, 2020. Uh, the decision was made before the pandemic started, and then the, the center that we were going to actually closed down for uh, most of that year, as you know, the, the whole world was shut down and. When we went in November, we were among one of the first groups once they reopened. So it was here in Costa Rica and we both, you know, had our experience. And the moment that we got on the plane to go back to Canada, we just had this call inside of us to come back with our kids. Um, it was uh, winter time. Uh, there's still a lot of lockdowns happening, a lot of restrictions and winters in Canada can just be long and depressing without a pandemic. And so we knew it wasn't going to be the best environment for us. So we said, let's take the kids out of school for the rest of the winter, uh, go back to Costa Rica and just travel around, see how it goes. Uh, so we did that from January of uh, this year, 2021 until uh, about May. And we homeschooled the kids, which, well, I say we, but really Davina homeschooled, <laughs> homeschooled the kids, uh, which had medium success. Uh, but we definitely fell in love with the country and the way of living and how people are in smaller communities here. And just everything is just so much simpler. And we found ourselves to be way more present in the day to day, not thinking about, you know, future plans or stuck in the day to day routine. Um, so when we came back to Canada uh, in the spring, we were Airbnb in our house and we had a letter from the city waiting for us saying that we were no longer allowed to Airbnb because of zoning restrictions. And we kind of took it as a sign. We're like, hey, if we can like come back to Costa Rica next winter and, you know, keep going back and forth between the two countries, maybe it's a sign that we should just sell our house and move. So we put a message out into the universe. We said we wanted to sell our house quickly for a certain amount of money. 
uh, and to ideally to another family because we wanted to keep that same energy in the house. And we got all of that in four days. Wow. Um, we got more than we were asking for. We got a family. They gave us a 90 day close, which we asked for. Like everything was just delivered to us on a silver platter. So essentially, you know, when the universe gives you things in such an easy way, it's hard to deny the fact that that's what's meant to be. Yeah. So <laughs> and so you traveled around a little bit in Costa Rica and you landed in uh, Stamara, right? Which is a blue zone. Uh, and for those who might not know what that is, I think there's only four or something like yeah. that. And, I think four or five. Yeah. And one of them, yeah, is here, this whole Nicoya Peninsula. Yeah. It's supposed to be one of the, the blue zones. Um, I, I, I can't scientifically explain, uh, you know, what it is, but it feels great to live here. So yeah. something, something's working for sure. Yeah. And a blue zone means that people live the longest and healthiest there. So, yeah, that's right. And I think happiness in general and connection to nature as well. All of those things I think are, are pretty true of this place. Pretty amazing. So before you stepped down as CEO, you sold your place, you moved to Costa Rica. Like what was kind of like the tipping off point for all of this? Like I know, and I think you mentioned in late 2019, I was reading your website that you sort of had this awakening and you began to dive into like books about mindfulness and spirituality. And so what kind of tipped all of this off to make you change your whole way of looking at the world? Yeah. Um, my one like specific moment that I like to share, uh, is one evening when Davina, so Davina and Max were in Ivory coast for a cousin's wedding. And I was alone back home with our daughter, Charlie, and we, you know, partake in cannabis every once in a while or some weeks more regularly. Um, and that evening I took a, a little gummy and I was hanging out with her in the playroom and I just found myself like so present with her and she was reenacting her whole school day playing the role of both like the teachers and the, the other kids. I was, I just remember I was like basking in like the delight that she that she is and was in that moment and i was so aware of how present i was with what was going on everything else in my life just kind of like faded away it was like tunnel vision but like in the best way possible and it really hit me in that moment like that's what life is all about is about these like little moments of joy it's not about the stress and anxiety we impose on ourselves and it is kind of like a little glimpse into you know this other way of seeing the world and of living and, you know, I, I, I had an interest in yoga and other practices, but nothing really concrete. Davina was already sort of on her spiritual journey, but not pressuring me to jump on board or do anything like that. Um, and a couple months later, you know, the pandemic started and uh, our business was facing a lot of difficulty ahead because it's in the photo industry. And so the, my anxiety and stress levels really went through the roof. And I remember being quite worried. and. After a few weeks, I decided to try to take control over the situation or rather of, you know, my reaction to the situation. And so I dove a little deeper into yoga and breath work and meditation and things started unraveling from there. Yeah. You mentioned kind of unraveling limiting beliefs and realizing what those were that were kind of holding you back. What were they for you? that you kind of came across as you began to kind of peel back the layers? 
Yeah, it, it, a lot of it like revolves around you know what society expects from us and what being a good human or not a good human, but what you know being human is like in general, and what's it like to be a good husband and a strong like what does masculinity look like all of these concepts you know that i think society conditions us to be a certain way i started to redefine them for myself um one of like the the most recent limiting beliefs that i'm still working on is using my voice like i had such a this is such a bad relationship with using my voice all the way for as long as I can remember, like my, my mom would always press me to, you know, speak more after school and to answer more questions about how my day was. And I think it just forced me to kind of retract a little bit and not share as much. And then I remember, you know, doing oral presentations in school, like I hate doing those. When people would ask me questions, I would just like blush and start sweating. And like, I hated talking and you know, in photography, we spoke at workshops and conferences and I kind of learned my spiel. And I think I, I knew my content well enough. So I was able to deliver it, but also had Davina, who's a wonderful speaker, uh, you know, by my side. And it gave me a lot of comfort to, to speak in front of people. Anyways, all that to say that up until like a few months ago, once I started dismantling other limiting beliefs, I told myself, you know what, I think I could dismantle this one too, which is my relationship with my voice because it has been a certain way for 30 plus years doesn't mean that it needs to be this way for the rest of my life. And once I acknowledged that things just kind of started dismantling and unraveling and it's continuous work in progress and starting my podcast is like a great exercise in that and just practicing speaking better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Starting a podcast is like the ultimate way of like pushing through that limiting belief that you had. And I'm curious for you, what do you think when it comes to these characteristics that we might have from like when we're little that we carry with us? Like maybe we feel like we can't use our voice. Like how do we know when we should push through something like that? And versus uh, it's just kind of who we are and we should let it be. And we should, we should be okay with being a quieter person or, you know, I think there's a bit of truth to both sides. You know, duality is a part of life. And even in a limiting belief here, I think duality is at play as well. At the same time, as I've gotten more comfortable with using my voice and using it more, I've also gotten way more comfortable with being the silent one and holding the silence uh, and appreciating how I can be a source of calm and peace and quiet and comfort those are kind of like the the light aspects of of that but if it's preventing me from speaking my truth and it's making me nervous every time i have to like say something in a group setting then it's not serving me well so in that situation i feel like it's something that i should address and try to work on mm-hmm. so i've been up leveling my my voice game on both sides both appreciating the quiet and pushing through when it's not working so well That's awesome. Yeah. I think when you're also touching on is kind of feeling it out for yourself. Like, how does it feel when you're acting this way? Because the feeling has a lot to teach us around. Maybe there's some work to be done here for myself. If you feel, if you feel really at peace with it, then okay, then fine. But if you're feeling the anxiety or nervousness or something doesn't just doesn't feel right, then there's that opportunity there 
And I just, I always share with my clients that our feelings are our greatest teachers. They have so much to share with us. And it's, you know, it's a brave thing to have to go in there and ask ourselves questions about ourselves. And like, who am I as a man? You know, who am I? You know, I asked myself this when I left my business. I'm curious for you how that was stepping down as CEO, you know, no longer having that role in your life and kind of figuring out like, who are you now? Right. Um, These are really hard things to kind of face ourselves with. They are for sure. It was such a part of my identity, you know, both being a photographer and then being a CEO for seven years and being in charge of something so big, I really built my whole identity around that. And once I stepped down and was no longer, you're kind of no longer a photographer as a career either, you know, just kind of ask yourself, who am I? (laughs) I still don't have an answer. And I kind of, I'm enjoying this like in between right now where you know, I'm focusing on myself and on sharing and being a little bit more vulnerable. And if that's all I am for now, that's okay too. Like we put so much pressure on ourselves and we think that society and other people expect us to be something and do something. But, you know, I'm, I'm realizing like, that's not what we're here for. Like there's so much beauty to experience being a human on this planet And if that's all you do and you treat everything with respect and humility and you try to help others along the way, then nothing else needs to be done. I love that. And I think it also really helps the environment that you're living in now. Being surrounded by community, smaller community and people who are also on that same wavelength and helping each other out. I mean, when I just even see uh, you and Davina post things on Instagram, it just you can like, I can feel the energy of that community and how it just seems so in tune with the land and everybody just seems like they're willing to help each other out. And, uh, it's, it's very fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, we hear about community, you know, quite a bit these days and I, I, I know what the word means, but I hadn't experienced it until we moved here and, you know, to, to know all the people you deal with on a regular basis, to, to get to know them more personally. Like for example, the teachers at our kids' schools, they're always there at all of the birthday parties, you know, and they're not just like the professionals, like doing their job. They're also people who live here and who are part of the community and seeing that on a regular basis and just, you know, I can go out and bicycle and bicycle through town and, I'll be waving to like 20 different people because you're, it's so small and you're crossing the people all the time. And if you need help, like you can just what, you know, message someone and they'll give you the answer. There's no going online and searching for the right answers. You just, you, you really live in like this like tight knit group of people and everybody helps each other and sees each other all the time. It's, it's really beautiful. It's really, yeah. really cool. That's really great. And the kids are, I'm sure loving after school, get to go onto the beach and all the fresh food that you guys have. And so it's just awesome. I'm, are there I'm, people from all over the world, just a very diverse community? It is pretty diverse. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Canadians, Americans, French, German, wow. Australians. Yeah, we definitely come across people from, from all over. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So you have this kind of awakening for yourself of just realizing that you're more than your job and what society just kind of pushes us to be. 
and to to strive for. And you've been away from that for a little while for a little while now. And it seems like you're at, at a really beautiful place of kind of peace with this transition, or maybe there's this is what it is gonna be for for a while. Or do you have yeah. like a sort of inkling of like what's next for you in your life? Um, I'll backtrack on that. And okay. so the well, physically, I am indeed in this like beautiful, peaceful place. This week, especially for like the last 10 days, I have been struggling a lot with like my mental state still being so attached to everything that's happening in the world and like just having a hard time disconnecting from it and being that peace that I want to embody. And right now it's just kind of serving me as a reminder that I'm not immune to it just because I live in you know one of the blue zones and because, you know, I have access to the beach and fresh food and all of those things. Like, I think I, I still feel very connected to the rest of the world and I can, I still feel, you know, a lot of the, the pain that we are going through collectively as we try to transform uh, society into something better. I feel you on that. It's definitely yeah. a, a weekly struggle for me. Just some days I am really in bliss and I f feel like I'm in a peaceful state. And then there are other days where I feel very down and like a hopeless sense uh, that lives inside mm -hmm. of me. So I can relate to that a lot. And I think that, yeah, many of us are going through that, those ups and downs right now. And uh, we have to take care of our heart. And I think that, uh, spiritual practices for me, I'm curious for you, like met your meditation and yoga or your breath work have been like so supportive for me to kind of get back to like a place within myself where I can keep coming to and know that, you know, I can bring myself <laughs> off the ledge. You know, we have that control over our nervous system with things like breath work. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I, yeah, I've known the like up and down of like the daily, but to, to be stuck in this loop for a week, 10 days for me is something that's fairly new. So I'm, I'm trying to see what lessons it has for me. And I was actually reading some of my notes and one of them that kind of stood out to me was to love the loop and to just meet it with gratitude and compassion and let it transform into something more positive as you do that. Because for the last like 10 days, I've been like resisting it and angry at the fact that I feel this way. And today I'm finally like, okay, this is not serving me. I'm going to try a different approach. I'm going to try to be grateful that I feel this way and see what lessons it has for me and let it transmute into, into something different. But for sure, like the practices like daily meditation and breath work have, you know, kept me sane through this difficult moment. One thing that's interesting to think about that has helped me a lot when it comes to like emotion is because I'm very quick to label things as like, this is a good emotion and this is a bad emotion and you shouldn't feel this, this one because it's bad is looking at them all as just they are there and it's an emotion. And to, you know, when you're feeling that like, but there's, you know, that's the law of the universe, right? Is impermanence. So that kind of helped has helped me, especially, uh, I had, uh, you know, a mom who, and brother who struggled with mental illness when I was younger. Um, and so any kind of mental emotion for me that 
I would deem as being some spectrum of not healthy or good, I would automatically kind of jump to the conclusion of I'm not okay, this is bad. And I've learned over the years to just get more comfortable with it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. Uh, and it's tough to kind of sit with those things. It's not easy. Yeah. And we like, I know that concept of just being okay with the emotion, whatever it is, and not labeling it. Yet I still struggle to, <laughs> to yeah. not resist it, you know, when it, when it shows up and it's, yeah, I just have to keep practicing and keep doing it. But then once you do it, you're like, ah, yes, I remember this is how we like transmute this, you know, this feeling and how we move back into a a state of of joy and pleasure. But Mm. for some reason, every time like the, the harder one comes up, like I tend to forget for a moment what I need to do. We're only human, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear about fit for service because I've been like on the peripheral of watching Aubrey Marcus and his fit for service. And uh, for those out there who are listening, Aubrey Marcus has a podcast called the Aubrey Marcus podcast. He was a co-founder of on it, no longer uh, CEO of that company, but uh, has had a very successful career and has kind of let everybody witness his personal awakening through uh, plant medicine. And he's really been uh, a leader in supporting people in their awakening and uh, creating his own community. And one of the things that he runs is fit for service, which I know you have to apply for. And uh, you uh, recently went to uh, Sedona and did a whole, what, two weeks there with, with that group? Uh, that summit was one week, okay. uh, but I've been enrolled in fit for service for the whole year. So wow. this was my third summit. Uh, the first one being in Costa Rica mm-hmm. uh, last spring. Second one was in Austin this summer. And the third one was in Sedona just a couple, a few weeks ago. All right. So what is fit for service? What goes on in these summits? Um, sure. So I, I still struggle a bit with like get, having a concise answer to what it is, but in my own words, it's a, a cross between Hogwarts school of magic and Burning Man Festival. You really get to like show up as your true authentic self and almost like try different things, you know, like different versions of yourself. Um, and, and by that, I don't mean like pretend to be someone else. I just mean like be more of your true self, like the one that doesn't feel the need to put up walls or pretend or hold back on feelings and emotions like you're welcomed and loved as your true authentic self. So it feels like you're being a a different character, whereas you're actually just like being your, your truest self. And it takes time to, you know, to get comfortable with that. But when you're surrounded by 150 other people who are doing the exact same thing, it really makes for like a magical environment. And that, that has been like probably my, my favorite thing. Like, you you really enter this space where things feel different than the way we perceive them on a on a on a regular basis in the in the world so what do you do when everybody gets together for like a week at a time are there different workshops that you go to yeah so there's different speakers who come and do uh, workshops or lectures um 
there, like at the one in Sedona. Uh, Matthias Di Stefano was there. He gave a talk. Uh, there was breath work. Uh, there was activation, like some kind of activation with Kaya Ra. Um, ecstatic dance, uh, a lot of music, a lot of group meditations. Uh, there was a talk on like tantric practices. Um, yeah. And every summit has been different. The, the theme for this year was, uh, the masculine, the feminine and the, um, divine union of both. So each trimester and each summit was sort of uh, centered and focused on one of those. Is there a highlight for you of like a very like kind of life altering moment when you've gone to one of these that you can remember? Yeah, for sure. There's, there's a few, um, at the summit in Austin, uh, what they, they did a little bit of a different format. So they divided the 150 people into five different groups, uh, all around different elements. So earth, air, fire, water, and ether. And each coach was uh, in charge of one team, which had about between 25 and 30 people. And then we all had to prepare this uh, Hakka style uh, dance uh, to really show up in costumes and really give it our all. And, uh, you know, uh, just kind of set the tone for like this day of competitive competition and of these games. And then everybody uh, took part in a uh, one-on-one competition, which consisted of either a dance-off, a tug-of-war, sumo-style wrestling, a mace hold, or this strategic ball toss, if you know, it was a little bit harder to do certain things physically. And it was really well-organized. Like You would think with 150 people, this kind of event would take a long time, but it, it rolled very at, at, at a good pace. And the way... W- we were instructed to take part in the competition is to step forward when you felt that your intuition was guiding you to call out another team and do a certain challenge. So for example, I was on team ether when I felt that it was time for me to do something. I stepped forward. I said, I challenge team water to tug of war. And then someone from team water would step forward, would accept my invitation. And we go off and, you know, and compete in it. And so that's what, what happened for me. And I, obviously they encourage you to compete against someone that you feel is an adequate level, you know, don't do a tug of war against someone who's not going to be at the same level as you. Otherwise it kind of is the purpose, the purpose not being to win or lose the purpose being to watch your inner, uh, your inner self interact with you as you take part in this competition. And so I took part in the tug of war and I lost against someone who I felt I had a good chance. And in like the, the, the minutes following my loss, like I was so aware of the little Daniel inside of me who would lose at other sports would get picked last or, you know, just wasn't the popular kid or like all these like moments of pain where things don't go your way and you just feel so defeated. And even as a 36 year old grown up man, I still felt it like inside of me, like it was still so present. I just walked back to my team and I'm standing there and I probably had like this fake smile on my face. Like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. I lost. It was fun, you know, but I I could feel it. And then out of nowhere, Aubrey, who was the, the, the coach on my team, 
comes up behind me and places his hands uh, from behind and kind of starts rubbing my heart as like, just feel the little boy inside of you, feel your power. And I just like started sobbing. I cried so much for like a solid minute. And then I felt incredible. And Mm. it was just like recognizing that this little Daniel was inside of me and that he needed some love and that everything was good. And that my self-worth didn't come from winning or losing that I was okay. Just like allowing myself to feel that was, I just like rewrote this like big part of me. Um, so that was one moment. And then later that night they threw a big rave style party and dancing is something that I love to do, but I've always been kind of judgmental of my own lack of good dancing as I'm sure many of us are, but again, being in this like environment of very loving and accepting people, like you can go on the dance floor and make a fool of yourself, or you can go sit down and be in silence on your own. And there's no judgment from anybody. And I witnessed like that whole evening. I just witnessed my mind trying to make up stories about how other people were looking at me or judging me or what were these people doing in that corner that I was in part, a part of. And none of it was true. I would just see my mind like build up the story. And then I was like, that's not actually happening. And I would like dismantle it. And then it would start again. I would like dismantle it. And at the end of the night, I realized that the whole day from like competing to dance party was almost like reliving our high school days but in a very healthy environment where I was given the opportunity to just rewrite all of these stories of lack of self-worth and of competition amongst other people and all of these things that just aren't true, you know, with healthy, mature adults. And it just felt really good. I learned a ton just like from that one day. That's incredible. Wow. I just, I love that you had the opportunity to actually feel your feelings in that moment because it's so easy to kind of tap in to something that's pretty deep and it's right there at the surface and it, it wants to communicate with you. But then it's it's really easy to just kind of fluff it off and just move on with our life. And it, you had that opportunity where Aubrey was able to, to actually touch your heart because our bodies, you know, they really store our, our emotion. It's right there. And so yeah. to give you that opportunity to actually feel the feeling fully is, uh, is incredible. Wow. What a gift. Yeah. And that's like one standout moment, but there are so many of these like little moment situations where you really get to rewrite the story that you've been telling yourself. And you see that when you're surrounded by like-minded people who are open and equally vulnerable and honest, like a lot of things are possible and healing just happens so much faster. Mm -hmm. What are you interested in now when it comes to like spirituality and healing? Like, is there any sort of space that you're, you've been gravitating more and wanting to read more about or like kind of learn from practitioners about? Yeah. Um, I'm still really like in the death and rebirth process, maybe a little closer to the rebirth at, at this point. Um, but I, s- I have yet to really figure out what it is that I want to do. One thing that is calling me is the plant medicine space. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really pleasant ayahuasca experience it's not very common uh that's good the listeners should hear this because pretty much everyone i've had on my show who has talked about their ayahuasca journey it has been a pretty insane like i mean just on the edge of your seat listening to the horror of what happened to some i had um 
if you ever get a chance to listen to it, Perry O'Hearn, he has an episode on the WooCast and his story of ayahuasca is like heart-wrenching what he went through. <laughs> I was like, and I've never done it, but it would not make someone want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I experienced a lot too. Like I saw myself like die and be deposited at the base of a, of these, you know, giant cliffs and say goodbye to Davina in this life. And wow travel through you know the, the the cosmos and reach the edge of the universe and then wonder what's on the other side which then morphed into more universe and like i experienced a lot of shit but the the way i, I describe it it's almost like a gentle disney ride you know that kind of takes you through things and things are coming at you and all these like visuals but i was always able to come back to my breath and to readjust myself if it was uncomfortable so i, I was while I was like in this like other dimension, I was also able to come back and realize that no, I'm like, my body's still here. Like I'm still alive. Everything's good. And then I would meet that with a ton of gratitude and love. And then the experience would just keep like enhancing and getting better and better. Um, what was your intention was, uh, for, for doing it? Did you have a specific intention in mind? Uh, there were quite a few intentions. The main one was really to reconnect with my childhood memories because I can remember most of them. Like if you ask me what my childhood was like, I, mean, I can tell you what it was like, but I have very few vivid memories of things happening or doing anything. And I did get a lot of those back. Wow. Um, I got a lot of memories, uh, with my grandmother, uh, with my sister. Uh, I really saw how like women took care of me uh, as as a child and growing up, and how they supported me, and just had this like immense gratitude for the, the feminine energy in my life. Um, my dad, who passed away five years ago, uh, came to me one night and just took me down memory lane, and we saw all of like the good times that we had together. So there's a lot of like beauty to the experience. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a really profound experience. <laughs> like, yeah. You saw um, the cosmos, you saw your dad came back. Wow. That's... Yeah. So there was a lot that happened. I didn't have like a mild experience, but it mm. was pleasant in that like I did my purging through crying and shaking and vibrating and snapping my fingers and making insect sounds, but I never threw up nor shit my pants you know so and once i realized that that wasn't happening i was i was so grateful and gratitude is like the most powerful emotion you can feel when you're in ceremony with ayahuasca like when you feel genuine gratitude like you're just like given more of like this like feeling of love and it's just like in this like constant cycle and it was so beautiful and i, I just remember feeling like super comfortable mm. and so yeah, so I, and now other times that I've sat with other plants, I've gone back into like this very comfortable feeling where I'm able to navigate things that are coming at me or the dimension that I'm in. Um, I feel like my intuitive gifts are activated and I don't know yet what I'm supposed to do with all of them. Uh, I, I've actually enrolled with, in Abby's program uh, for for this winter which you just completed as well because i felt like she would be the right person you know to really help me tap into these gifts that i'm starting to uncover that i simply don't know what to do with them 
Um, so yeah, so plant medicine is what's calling me right now. And I'm sitting with ayahuasca again in, in a few months. Nice. Uh, and you know, any other opportunity that comes up, uh, between now and then uh, I'm open to it. Um, I just want to keep exploring more and figuring out what it is for me. I think I'm actually going to be in that winter group with you because I, I, I'm in a whole year program. So I only did my first six months. And so I'll be in the next six months. I think she mentioned that we might be together. Oh, cool. I thought, I thought you would be like in the second. I am. Are you doing like the integrative healing part, Oach part or the first Um, part? I feel like I'm doing the first the one mentorship. Okay. Yeah. Oh God, I got it. Then never mind. Yeah. I don't know who I'm. <laughs> so gonna, I don't fun. know who I'm gonna be with. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking myself. forward to it. And one of the things that I need to practice is like using my voice more. And Fit First Service has you know weekly coaching calls, and it's great. But there, when there's like 30, 40 people on the call, mm. it's harder to get a word in. Or sometimes I don't have much to add because someone else has said it. Whereas here we're gonna be in a smaller group setting of you know five yeah. or six people and I'll be forced in a way to use my voice and to practice guiding other people and practice explaining things the way that they come through for me. So I'm looking forward to all of that. Yeah. I found it extremely cathartic to be yeah. in a group environment like that. And you learn from other people, which is really great. And it's, yeah, the small group is really powerful and that everybody gets a, a really good amount of time to talk. Um, and then, of course, I would do one-on-ones with Abby. She has, she's been my coach over the last year. And having a coach is so awesome. And I'm yeah. like, all pro co- coaches need coaches. Everyone needs a coach. <laughs> yeah, it really one helps. My, uh, one of my goals, or not my goals, but my want-to-do items uh, for this year, 2021, was to find my mentor mm. and someone who I could really learn from. And the, I feel like the moment I stopped thinking about it is when the idea of joining Abby's program showed up on my doorstep. And I was like, okay, this is what you need to do. And it just felt so right. And we had a good conversation. And I'm signed up and Yay. looking forward to it. I'm excited for you. That's awesome. Mm. So you yeah. started your own podcast called The Journey. And what do you want to talk about on there? What is the goal for you with that podcast? Yeah, my goal is really to share the things that have helped me, helped me on my own journey. Um, I, I mean, everybody carries trauma, but I don't have this, you know, this crazy story, uh, you know, that gave me a, a a deep bottom out of which I had to rise out of and have an awakening. You know, I just feel like I had a very natural, gentle progression in life. And yet I still had a spiritual awakening. And so it makes me feel that if I had this trajectory, it's likely that others are on it as well. Um, And I want to extend the things that I've come across that have helped me I want to extend that to others as well. And through this like self-discovery, I, I realized that I have a lot more magic in me than, than I thought I ever did. And by magic, I don't mean like magic tricks or pulling a rabbit out of a hat. I mean like the ability to change my outlook or something or my ability to transmute certain things into something else and to really transform who I thought I was into someone else like a better version of myself. For me, all of that is like a magical 
power, you know, that I possess. And the more I do it, the more I'm able to do it again and again and again. Mm, yeah. And so as I realized that I have this magical power, it makes me want to help others find theirs as well. And the podcast is one of those avenues, but then coaching might appear as well, doing workshops or retreats or other events might come down the line. Yeah, and you Facilitating started, prime medicine ceremonies. You started yeah. a men's group, I think. Davina, Davina was mentioning that to me. Yeah, I did. I started a men's circle with uh, a mix of like my closest male friends and other men who I've crossed paths with, you know, once or twice in my life, but just felt deep resonance with. Is that uh, online so, or is that in person? Yeah, it's online. We're all kind of scattered around, uh, around North America at the moment. Cool. Uh, I would obviously rather do it in person because there's something about in-person energy that can be replicated, Yeah, but it has been amazing. Like I, I'm just so grateful for these men, like showing up and being vulnerable and sharing their truth and letting themselves like cry in front of other men and not holding back on anything or just being there for each other and listening with an open heart. And like all of those things are helping me rewrite what healthy masculinity looks like. It's unbelievable. Like I'm, I'm just like in awe after every call. I'm like, wow, this is, this is not what I thought masculinity was growing up. That's beautiful. Are you accepting new members of that? Or is that just a closed circle that you have? No, it's a, it's a closed container. It's, mm -hmm. you know, people that I've invited. Um, to be honest, like, I don't feel comfortable yet. Like yeah. teaching or you know, facilitating anything where like the pressure is on me to be a coach or a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I need to gain more confidence and just be more okay with that concept in general. Like I don't want to be viewed as like a guru or anything like that, which I, I'm not suggesting that coaches are, are viewed that way, but it's, it's something for me to resolve first before I'm able to, to start offering any kind of education. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to be witnessing this beginning of your journey of who knows, you know, if you will be doing something like that, I kind of have a feeling that that is in your path. Yeah. So it's exciting yeah, to just a, be here I now. I have a feeling too. Yeah. And I also like, I love working with my hands, uh, but I don't know what that is yet. You know, my, most of my day to day is still on the computer, which I'm coming to hate more and more every single day. I'm like, I don't want to be at the computer. I don't want to be at the computer. I do something like physical and tangible, but I feel like that's in my future as well. But again, I don't know what it's like and yeah. I'm okay with it. Like I trust that the right things unfold at the right time. And yeah, there's been so much change and transformation for you in a very short amount of time. And I can resonate that with that and same for me, I mentioned on your podcast, just how much has happened in my own life of, you know, changing careers and moving and it takes a lot to, you know, shift your entire world. So I think uh, you and I are both in a very explorative phase and come yeah. and, you know, we had the death we talked about and going into now it's like we've been reborn into a new version of ourselves. It's getting to know that version and trying new things on and just being, for me, patience is something that I really, really need to cultivate, um, like badly. And, uh, you know, even with having COVID this last week, like my husband's like, this is a lesson for you in patience, because I was just like, I can't take it anymore. Like another day, just like counting the days, like 
day five, day six, you know? And uh, so we all have these little lessons that we, we have to learn for ourselves. And that's definitely one for me is patience with many things, what, an out, what the outcome is going to be and just being okay with uh, this kind of in-between that I'm currently living in right now, which can be very, yeah. very uncomfortable. So much so like, <laughs> yeah, patience is also like a word that I've been, and a concept that I've been exploring a ton uh, for the last few months. You know, when we arrived here in Costa Rica, like we had no job really. Like, we, you know, I wasn't CEO anymore. Like neither one of us was really working on Image Salon. So we didn't really have work to do. We're blessed, you know, and fortunate to have money to live. And so we were comfortable. So there's no pressure from that standpoint. And so the kids would go to school and we're like, what do we do now? And, you know, we would explore little things here and there, but after a few weeks and a couple months, you're like, all right, can we like start doing something? And that starts testing your patience. And that's when you got to like double down and be like, okay, I'm just going to keep waiting. I don't want to force anything. I'm going to see what happens. And, and that's when I'm you still have that to, stage. And it, that's when you have to ask yourself too, is like, is have we all just been extremely brainwashed to think that we need to have these careers that we need to be having these productive lives where we, you know, we produce an outcome. It makes us money. We have something to show for, you know, and work for. And it's not always been like that in the history of humans. <laughs> there was, you know, thousands and thousands of years where we didn't do any of that. You know, we were lived in community and we had to, the day was just about getting food and, you know, and making sure our shelter was okay and taking care of the children. And so there we're, we're so easily kind of programmed into what we think that we need to be doing. So I've been really kind of in, in question a lot about that with myself. Like, why do you have to be trying when it, you know, enforcing something, let it just yeah. happen, let it just come. And yeah, that takes, that requires a lot of patience. Yeah. Same. I've been asking myself the exact same thing. Like, why do I feel impatient or why do I feel the need to do something? Or why am I bored? Like, why do I always have this need for more? Yeah. There was a spiritual teacher that said to me once being bored is an amazing problem to have. Because from there, a lot can be, can be born from that place of boredom. You can, a lot of things, it's like from nothing, right? Everything gets created. And so it's like, okay, I'll just be bored to see what happens. Yeah. And we tell our kids all the time, like, you know, when they're bored, like, it's okay to be bored. Like, just, you know, let it be and something great will come up. You know, we, we tell them, but then when it happens to me, I'm like, oh, I'm so bored. What do I do? You know? My gosh. This, uh. It's funny how we try to impart our wisdom, you know, on the kids, but then have a hard time applying it on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, where can people find you? And uh, I know the podcast and I'll link all of that in the show notes. So the journey is the podcast and you can find it on all places that house podcasts. And um, you have an Instagram. I do. Yeah. I, I go everywhere by my name. So Daniel cool. Kudish on Facebook, although I'm, trying to get myself off Facebook. Uh, but I'm on Instagram. Mostly that's where I'm most active. Uh, 
any other journey podcast by Daniel Kudish. You'll find it right now. It's only on Spotify, but I'm trying to get it out on all the other platforms Very cool. Uh, in the coming weeks. Yes. And check his Instagram for the most amazing sunsets you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> A lot of people uh, tell me that I post some of the best sunsets. Unreal. Yeah. Like unreal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm blessed obviously here in Costa Rica, but I feel like I got good ones, you know, back in Canada as well. Like nice. we, I don't know. They either they follow me or I'm just more in awe nice. of so, them than the average person. Sunset King over here. <laughs> Awesome, Daniel. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the WooCast. It was such a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me.